This is To The Point with Marcus Anna, where we cut through all the noise to discuss the things driving the world of automotive sales and service. Let's get to it. Powered by Rocket. The responses to the question of whether or not the U.S. economy is on the verge of sliding into a recession or already in one will likely vary depending on whom you ask. But one thing is certain, consumer skepticism amid the high cost of just about everything is having a ripple effect on vehicle sales. To get a better understanding of how the current economic climate is affecting car purchases, Rocket talked to Ryan Robinson, a research leader for Deloitte, to kick off the second season of To The Point. Ryan works for Deloitte's global automotive sector with the Consumer Industry Center and helped to spearhead the company's recent study, Mobility in the Eye of the Storm, which zeroes in on a number of interesting points pertaining to consumer confidence and vehicle sales amid these challenging economic times. Hi, Ryan. Thank you for joining us on To The Point. Thanks, Marcus. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So, Ryan, I, I think it goes without saying that this this study is really timely. Um, what prompted the study? What specifically said, you know, this is something that that, that you needed to take a look at? Well, I think it's it, it really sits at the intersection between, you know, where where we see kind of the macroeconomic environment uh, heading. Obviously, we've got a lot of pressures on uh, the consumer's um, ability to engage uh, in the consumer space um, and going forward. And we've got a, a study that we've been running um, monthly, I guess, uh, going all the way back to April of 2020 on just where consumers' heads are at relative to, you know, their spending habits and, you know, their concerns on their ability to um, to to spend on, on different uh you know, aspects of their daily lives going forward. And in that study, um, we, we have a, a, a few questions that are tied to, you know, their uh, behaviors and expectations relative to how they get from point A to point B in them and, uh, in, and their uh, participation um, and reliance on mobility. And, you know, this, uh, this report really uh, tries to, to bring those two things together to answer the question, you know, how people are um, looking at their their finances going forward and how that impacts, you know, their ability to uh, to purchase vehicles. It, it really covers a number of, of timely topics in the space. But what was the biggest takeaway uh, from the study for you? For me, I, the biggest takeaway is that there's a that there's a direct correlation between you know how concerned people are around things like you know the amount the amount of money that they have saved. Um, you know, right now we're tracking about sixty one percent of Americans that are telling us they're concerned about uh, about their um, their savings account. Um, you've got um, just about half of of U.S. consumers telling us that they're concerned that about their, the, the balance that they're carrying on their credit cards. Um, and, you know, that's all translating into outcomes like about a third of U.S. consumers are telling us that they're concerned about making upcoming payments. And over half of consumers are telling us that they're actively considering delaying 
large purchases and all of these things over the, the longer term, um, certainly in the last couple of years since we've been asking these sorts of questions, there has been kind of a worrying uh, increase um, in some of the, the level of some of these concerns over time. So when you translate that into, you know, what's people's appetite um, to, uh, to engage in, in buying a vehicle, whether it's new or used over the next six months, the longer term trend line is telling us at least back to um, the October timeframe, it's, um, it, it's starting to deteriorate. Um, and that's, that's worrisome um, when we think about, you know, the, uh, the transformation, obviously, towards uh, EVs and, you know, in North America, particularly in the U.S., trying to get on to a, um, you know, a, a more rapid pace of change um, towards EVs is, is super important. So, you know, when we're making uh, it, um, you know, more challenging for people from an affordability standpoint to come along the, the electromobility journey with, uh, with the industry, that's, um, you know, that's a pretty big worry for, the, for where we see, um, you know, the industry going forward. What does it say? Um, what does it say about the future of auto retail sales moving forward? Well, I think that you know there there is an argument that says there's some pent up demand um, in the system. First, it was because you know we couldn't get out and do the kinds of things that we were doing before the pandemic, whether it was going to a restaurant or traveling for leisure or so on. Those things are starting to come back. Um, and, you know, we, we get the kind of, you know, also the, the added pressures of the inventory shortages and the, the crises that we've been living through, um, over the past several months and that people just can't find vehicles to buy, particularly EVs. So, you know, when we, when we think about the amount of pent up demand that has been in the system, now that we've got the added pressure of those macroeconomics and, and hyperinflationary environment potentially leading the economy into recession, um, you know, we, we're starting to think that maybe there's uh, some pent up demand destruction going on so that, you know, the, the, uh, the recovery of the industry just may not be there to the extent that, you know, we, we were thinking it would be just you know, six, eight months ago. So I think that there's, uh, there's some room for a rebound, but, you know, towards the, the second half of this decade, it's getting increasingly challenging to figure out, you know, where the, uh, where the demand is going to come from. It's, it's going to be challenging even to, to stay at the, uh, at the, at the level of, of new vehicle demand in the marketplace that we've seen, um, certainly, you know, I think the next 10 years of vehicle demand in the marketplace is going to look very different than the last 10 years, sort of prior to when, when the pandemic hit in, um, in that March of 2020 timeframe. Of course, the, the, the OEMs, the, the automakers would, would in no way be able to predict the, the impact that the pandemic would have on the industry. Um, but when you look at the timing of it all as it relates to much like you, you've noted, uh, electric vehicles and car makers looking to, you know, to position themselves within within that segment. Is the timing bad or is it 
is like I guess when you when you look at those dynamics, what does it all say about the the future of electric vehicles? And I guess the current state of electric vehicles. I'm quite concerned, actually, and I'll, I'll tell you why. One, you know, we've been asking uh, consumers to pay more for new vehicles on an average transaction basis for many years now. I think we're depending on who you you look to um, for that information in the marketplace, we're up to somewhere, I think, in the $45,000 range. Now, some of our, uh, some of our study results tell us uh, from our global automotive consumer study tell us that, you know, 75% or thereabouts of American consumers are telling us that they expect to pay less than 50 grand for their next vehicle. So you start to do some quick math and you say, okay, well, you know, if if the average of transaction prices is already approaching the upper limit or threshold point of expectations that consumers have relative to affordability, you know, there's not a lot of wiggle room. So, so what are the other levers that we can pull? Well, we can start lengthening out, you know, uh, loan terms, right? And we're already starting to see loan terms pushing the kind of 84 you know, 96 month time frame. the percentage of, of loans that are written in those timeframes are starting to creep up over time. And, you know, obviously that just that spreads the cost of the vehicle over a longer period of time. Um, and, in, you know, in doing so, it's controlling the, the monthly payments for the consumer, which is great. You know, there's, there's another argument that says, well, you know, maybe... Um, there's a, there's more leasing, um, to come in the future, right. As people, um, go from, you know, a loan to a lease to try to, to, uh, control the, again, the, the, the amount of money that they're expected to pay every month to, to maintain their, their vehicle. Um, you know, so there's, there's a variety of things that are, that are going on with EVs though, you know, we've got the added exposure now to, you know, much higher, raw material costs in the form of lithium and cobalt and nickel, all of the things that go into battery manufacturing, all of those things are starting to, or have been spiking over the last, um, you know, several months. So, you know, if the battery on an EV is, uh, represents somewhere between 30 and 40% of the value of the overall car itself, um, any, any kind of material spike in, in those commodities are, are going to, you know, have a significant impact on on what we're asking people to pay for EVs. In fact, you know, we've seen just over the last little while some some OEs are having to bump their pricing on on EVs as a result of some of those uh, some of those commodity pressures. And that goes, you know, it's directly at odds to what we really want to be happening is to make EVs more affordable. Now, you know, we're we're actually very bullish on, uh, you know, the the amount of vehicles that are scheduled to hit the marketplace uh, in that EV segment over the next, you know, two to five years. And we're encouraged by the fact that, you know, we're, we're going to start to see OEs bringing EVs to market that hopefully are, um, are more in that afford in those affordable vehicle segments. So, you know, there is that kind of push pull of, um, you know, the, the pricing is, is not and the, and the affordability that it's creating is not going in the right direction. So it's really causing, 
um, OEs to 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 think very carefully about about how they how they can bring EVs to marketplace to um, to appeal to the mass market to really make a push on you know lowering overall carbon emissions and and those sorts of objectives. Wow, a lot of dynamics. I think um, then the the question becomes for those for those that are in the auto retail space is what can they do to better position themselves as we are sort of dealing with these challenges? Yeah, on, on the retail space, it's, um, you know, there, there's a whole other different set of dynamics where, you know, um, we, we've been hearing uh, kind of rumors and, and experiments and, you know, there's there's a quite a number of OEs um, that are thinking about you know how they can start selling, particularly EVs, directly to the consumer. Um, so you know, it's it's the idea of uh, not necessarily having to rely on your dealer network so heavily to to retail vehicles going forward. It's the agency model, right? That uh, we've we've been seeing in in Europe and other places, and um, you know that to me is. It's problematic uh, in the sense that, um, you know, we're we're trying to get people to to go online. Um, we're we're trying to, you know, get them to to uh, to still, you know, making what is, you know, uh, in, at least in my mind, an emotional purchase, um, you know, based on you know the the comfort of their own homes and a few clicks on a website. Um, I. You know, I don't know, you know, it's going to be a very interesting time. Let me put it that way, uh, relative to the role of the uh, of the dealer uh, in automotive retailing going forward. I I still believe personally that there is definitely a role to play um, for that intermediary between the OEM uh, and the consumer, mostly because, you know, well, I mean, I'm not trying to be flippant, but, you know, there's there is a uh, it's still an emotional purchase. It's still in some cases an irrational purchase to buy a new vehicle when the the vehicle that you're currently driving is perfectly fine. Um, And you need, you know, people to uh, to, to, you know, um, you know, sell consumers on that basis. Um, So, you know, making it uh, an overly dispassionate uh, transaction I think actually works against the the overall aims of the of, of the OEM um, at the end of the day in in some respects. So, um, but you know, having said that, there is uh, a lot to be said for changing the uh, the dealership in the sense that you don't necessarily have to have the all of the uh, the the dealership departments under one roof anymore. So you could separate theoretically. And some manufacturers have done this, where you've separated the the sales function from the service function. Um, but again, you know, when I think about, um, you know, the the uh, using the service con- customer base at a dealership as uh, essentially, you know, your source of sales um, is something that you know you got to think quite carefully around. You know, if you're um, pushing that separation, <clears throat> you may be actually shooting yourself in the foot in some ways. Well, wow, there's a there's definitely a lot to think about um, when it comes to the challenges that the industry faces in this in this transformation. Um, 
Well, I want to thank you, Ryan, for, t- for taking the time and giving us some insight on the study um, and some insight on the future of the industry. For sure, Marcus. Thanks for having me um, anytime. Now, back to the noise.